Today, the topping show, Bud Light and Dill Mulvaney partnership fizzles out. Apple sales drop 40%. TikTok's parent company rakes in $25 billion in profits. Meta is paying engineers Google bucks. Tupperware might go bankrupt. Pentagon documents have been leaked. And Tesla has a lackluster investor meeting. All of that and much, much more on the topping show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Today's episode of the Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. If you're a business owner or an IT leader, reach them at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going over to the business part of the podcast, Apple said that their sales dropped 40% in Q1 when you compare the sales to 2022 Q1. Now, Apple's personal computer shipments declined by precisely 40.5%. Now, if you quantify that to the actual number of units sold, that's down to 4.1 million MacBooks and Apple PCs being sold, according to market research company IDC. This is Apple's worst drop since Q4 2000, which, for those who might be too young to remember or weren't born at the time, that was known as the dot-com bust when Silicon Valley and all these companies invested in every company that had anything to do with the internet, rudimentary speaking, or, you know, simply put, too many people invested and it turned out a lot of those investments were BS ideas. They weren't really more than a concept and sometimes just a piece of paper with a web address. So needless to say, there's a big market readjustment, also known as the dot-com crash, where a lot of those businesses went away. Now, to have that about 23 years later, that's pretty rough to have the worst drop. Now, other brands did also have drops, so it wasn't to that extent. So if you look at other PC sales, on average, the whole industry, that's about 29% lower than the same period last year. You had Lenovo and Dell, their shipments were down 30% compared to Q1 last year, while Hewlett Packard's was down 24%. And I'm not too surprised that Apple, they had the biggest down in number of units sold just because again during hyperinflation tough economy and job job outlook not so clear not so certain for a lot of people one of the easiest things to cut back on is premium products and for most people depending on your job you don't need a four thousand dollar macbook pro double wide banana falcon whatever the nomenclature is for all the accessories and doodads they add on there they make a great reliable computer but it's also much more expensive. I mean, the thing on my desk right now is a Dell PC and it's about half, probably about maybe 40% of the price of the Apple. And for what I'm doing, it does pretty much everything I need to do. So a lot of businesses, especially corporate accounts and individual consumers, they're all worried about their jobs. They're trying to cut back on budgets. They're trying to try to make their dollars go stretch them a little bit further. So I'm not too shocked that they will have the biggest decrease in Apple sales. That being said, once things get better someday with the economy and inflation, they'll probably have that same big bump in sales because one of the first things people like to do is they like to treat themselves to some fancy product or a great engineering tool, depending on what you need it for. Now, going over to Meta, which is the new name for Facebook, which they can say that all they want. Everyone's going to call them Facebook. But it turns out that they're paying their engineers Google Bucks. So according to the Washington Post, Meta engineers received a total compensation package ranging from 
600,000 to a million dollars a year, which is almost enough for an apartment in San Francisco. Just gonna save a little bit more. I kid, but not too much. It's astronomical how insanely high prices are in that area. Now, this is for the meta, meta engineers in particular. So they're working on the metaverse, Mark's idea for that dystopian idea where you plug yourself into the virtual reality world, you never leave your house. So the Facebook engineers on the contrast, the ones working on the traditional Facebook website, you know, the thing that makes them the most money currently. Now, in contrast, Facebook is paying those engineers an average of 183,000 in total compensation packages, including stock options, and other bonuses. Now, this is coming to light after mere weeks after Meta added $10,000 or sorry, 10, 10K, I always think, um, usually fiscally, but it's $10,000 layoffs to bring the total tally of cut workers to 21,000 since November. And Mark is going all in on this idea, which you can't blame him too much because as a company, they need to evolve. They don't want to become the next MySpace, which was famously eclipsed by the success of Facebook. So much so, so, much so that MySpace pivoted to attempt to become a social media company for musicians, which is an interesting idea. And eventually it fizzles out to basically being something only a couple of diehard enthusiasts are still, still actually involved with. Nevertheless, Facebook thinks that the VR world is going to be the next big thing. For some applications, it makes sense. There's a lot of business applications, like if you're building a factory and you want to actually visualize where some of these heavy machinery components are going to be put, how are we going to lay out this assembly line? That's a perfect use case since those machines weigh more than a truck or a, even a house in some cases. And to move them in the real world would be prohibitively expensive, complex, as well as you'd have safety issues with lifting those heavy monstrosities. So in that capability, that makes sense. But the debate is still out on how many of the average Americans or average folks really want to plug in on a daily basis. And a lot of people are criticizing it because the graphics are rudimentary, to say the least, com most comparing it to like a Nintendo Wii. And it's just one of those things where it's not really catching the public attention yet. It's more of a, it's still a gimmick. More people are buying those VR headsets, but it's not mainstream. So maybe there'll be a pivotal moment. One of my favorite books is Freakonomics, where they talk about how there's that pivotal moment where a business goes from, you know, making a little bit, and then all of a sudden they knock it out of the park. Similar to Yeti, Yeti coolers made coolers for years. Only diehard enthusiasts knew about them. It wasn't until, as far as I could tell, it wasn't until they introduced their handheld little tumbler, which cost relative to the cooler a fraction of the price, coolers being like 400, 500 bucks or more. But once they introduced the premium tumbler, I believe the first one was like 70 or $80, which is a lot. However, they were able to mass produce that. That gets the name out there. And all of a sudden, they're one of the most successful companies getting the big IPO. And now they're one of the most respected premium brands for coolers and tumbler containers. So it'll be interesting to see. Speaking of tumblers, containers, on the downside, Tupperware had their stock drop about 50%. Now, Tupperware was invented in 1942 by Earl Tupperware. He created the first bell-shaped container and introduced it to the market and to the public in 1946. And stock collapse was a result of the announcement from the CEO saying that the company looks murky. And the CEO said that they don't have enough cash to fund operations if they don't secure additional funds. And they're exploring potential layoffs, reviewing their real estate portfolios. Maybe they could spin off some of that. 
Now, the CEO, Miguel Fernandez, claims, quote, Tupperware has embarked on a journey to turn around our operations and today marks the critical step in addressing our capital and liquidity position. Now, the New York Stock Exchange has warned Tupperware stock is in danger of being delisted for not filing the requ required annual paperwork. They're also not quite yet, but they're quite close to being delisted also by the price per share, which their current stock price was $1.24 per share. If you go below a dollar, that's when you start getting extra scrutiny by the, the New York Stock Exchange. You have to put basically put them on a performance plan of how you're going to get that stock back up since you're supposed to be above a dollar to be on the New York Stock Exchange. And this, of course, is coming off a sharp decline in the number of Tupperware sellers, and they're struggling to attract younger buyers. And it was a fascinating social phenomenon where the company grew exponentially because people used to be ambassadors or also known rudimentary as sellers of the product or individual contractors. And they would have Tupperware parties, which is a brilliant idea at the time. It allowed them to grow sales exponentially. And it was quite literally tar a party. The gals would get together, show them the new products. People would see how utilitarian they are. They would buy them and they'd use them. Maybe, however, they are also a detriment to their own good in terms of the products are really durable. So my parents got me a Tupperware set back in, how many years ago was that? About 2010, when I graduated high school to go to college. And I've used those Tupperware containers for the last 10 plus years, and they still work just fine. There's no reason for me to buy extra containers. The original ones still, they might be a little discolored, I'll have to clean them again, but it's one of those things where the product is so good, I don't need to buy more of it. They're lasting decades, and they're also struggling to, again, attract younger consumers who are perhaps wanting even more unique design. But I go over to my peers' houses and you know check out what we're having for dinner sometimes. They'll show me their really unique containers. One of them was actually a glass container with a silicone protective band system around it. Um, which is not made, made by Tupperware, is made by a competitor. And it's a very unique design. And it was just more of a premium experience than the traditional plastic polymers that they were using. So that's yet another legacy company that really needs to hope to pivot, try to see how could they salvage that. Because it's a long-term, durable, reputable brand. It's, I mean, they, it works. So it'll be interesting to see if they remain independent or if another company perhaps buys them out. Now, it'll be interesting to see how that progresses. Now, going over to the culture part of the podcast, which is a fun mixture of culture, politics, and business, you have Bud Light sales allegedly tanking exponentially. This is in recent light of Bud Lighting decided to award Dylan Mulvaney, a Mulvaney, who is a trans activist who recently celebrated 365 days of womanhood, where Dylan was Someone say it's sexist. He dresses up in women um, attire and performs very gender-specific or standard. Basically old cliches of what women used to do. And even bizarre things, he actually... So Dylan wore high heels and pranced through the forest saying that's how people go hiking. And I fact-checked that. I, I checked with my, you know, my mom, my sister, and they have never done that. I spoke about this yesterday, just as a little repeat. Now... People are starting to look into who was behind this idea, which is currently alienating a lot of their current clientele. Now, Bud Light's VP of Marketing, Alyssa Heinerschild, I actually looked up 
this video came out a couple days before the official product kickoff or partnership with Dylan. So let's hear what she has to say. And she she is the she brags on LinkedIn she is a she her and she's the first woman of the major beer company. So what what does she say about her job? I had a really clear job to do when I took over Bud Light and it was this brand is in decline. It's been in decline for a really long time. And if we do not attract young drinkers to come and drink this brand, there will be no future for Bud Light. So I had this super clear mandate. It's like, we need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand. And my, what I brought to that was a belief in, okay, what is, what, do, what does evolve and elevate mean? It means inclusivity. It means shifting the tone. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men. Now, she looks exactly how you'd expect her to look. And she also has a scary amount of teeth. I don't know why that looks so freaky. But she also has a couple gay pride paintings behind her, probably by looks like a children's painting or maybe she's just bad at painting and again there's nothing wrong with being inclusive but with this particular situation you're also excluding many of your current incumbent customers now it'd be interesting to see if they're able to expand their sales to make up for the people they're alienating but there's more and more anecdotal evidence you have a one going really viral on Twitter, you had a Anheuser-Busch affiliate, which is the U.S. parent company behind Bud Light, which is also the parent company or the baby company of InBev, which is the large conglomerate that owns many of the brands that you know. Now, the Anheuser-Busch affiliate video had a Twitter employee who's a merchandiser, so his job is to go to the stores, restock the shelves, and then take notes on the inventory. CEO's products are moving the fastest, and then he communicates that to the distribution manufacturing chain, and that way they know how much of this piss water, or I'm, I'm sorry, I mean high-quality beer do they need to produce in order to meet customer demand. So his job is feet on the streets. He sees what's on the shelves, front line. He sees things first. Now, he goes there, and like many of these situations, you also have the same situation with like Pepsi, Frito-Lay. Basically, you have the third parties that go into the stores, because they trust their employees to actually put the products carefully, make sure they look good, displayed properly. And his video came out where he was showing the Bud Light shelf. It was completely full. He said he had never seen so little in sales. And for it made, I, I believe it was a Walmart, but it looked like from the video a major grocery chain where you're having hundreds if not thousands of customers going there every single day. To have a product move so slow, that is terrible. And if they don't turn the ship around, you're going to have a ripple effect. Because a lot of these retailers, they measure things, like a lot of retailers, just like car sales, they'll measure things by the age of the product. So how many days has this product stayed on a shelf? How many days was this car in the lot? That's why I hear a lot of people negotiating with car sales. You know, is this car about to get a birthday? You know, how many days has it been on the lot? Because every minute every second every day that's on the shelf or on the lot is costing them money with cars they actually don't own the cars they actually finance the cars so they're paying for the car and with these beer products one of the most expensive real estate in the u.s is jokingly referred to as walmart space because it is one of the most valuable spots to put your product because customers are going to go there 
And because of the historical sales volume of Walmart, it's a life-changing experience for many entrepreneurs and businesses to get the product in the door. And for this guy to say, basically there's nothing being moved, that's quite concerning. There's also probably half a dozen, if not more articles about, you have bar owners saying they will no longer restock the product. You have distribution chains saying they will not distribute the product. So it'll be interesting to see what happens from here. And again, if you're looking to boycott this, don't forget, InBev is a parent company. Now, InBev owns these brands, and they own over 50 brands. These are the ones that someone that doesn't drink a lot of beer, I think I might. When's the last time I had a beer? I prefer spirits, if anything, but maybe a year? Nevertheless, now, if you're looking to boycott Bud Light, remember InBev owned them. It owns them. InBev is the parent company behind Anheuser-Busch, as well as Budweiser, Natural Light, Rolling Rock, Goose Island, Shock Top, Corona Light, Stellar Tees, Foster's, Victoria Bitter, Modelo, Bass, etc. Now, in terms of the business impact right now, a lot of people are saying go woke, go woke, go broke, which is a cliche saying, which I debate has ever really happened. It's happened on the right, where if a conservative company comes out as conservative, their sales will be boycotted furiously by the left and they have gone out of business that happens but historically traditionally looking at the trends the number of companies that go out of business for going woke there i can't i struggled to find a single solid example of that happening and with this use case imbev is such a large global company for beer even if they lost the U.S. market completely with this one brand, because again, a lot of people don't realize Bud Light is owned by all this all the brands, they'll not go out of business. I can guarantee that. They just have two. They have such a diverse portfolio, as well as diverse around the globe. Now, a lot of people are speculating because their stock did drop, and their stock dropped by about three percent on Monday. Today is Tuesday. It went up today from last night tonight by about one percent. So it's about a 2% net drop in the stock, which I wouldn't say by any means is a catastrophic drop. I mean, we just talked about Tupperware 30 seconds ago. Their stock went down by 50%. Now, they're, that being said, they're still being their competitors. And they're, so they're 52 week high. So over 52 weeks, the highest of the price of their stock it traded was $67.09. Right now, they're down to $65.96 per share. And many are speculating what's going on internally. Is she going to get fired, the um, VP of marketing, or is she going to get a promotion? Because, again, more people are talking about Bud Light now than in the past 10 years combined. I mean, I haven't spoken to a single person about Bud Light since a Super Bowl ad probably a decade ago. So they're getting relevant. Again, the business use case will be what is that delta loss in sales or increase in sales over this is going to be measured in quarters not days but it's interesting to see it developed so it's also interesting to say that anheuser-busch and bud light have not posted a single thing since april 1st so ever since they announced the partnership with dylan mulvaney they haven't tweeted or put anything on social media since april 1st and in regard in, in regard to actual the real world in terms of social media what is that 10 days that's basically a lifetime in social media. I mean, I, I post this podcast every single day. I try to tweet at least once a week. I, although, granted, I debate 
just based on the number of followers I have on Twitter, how much value that is. But in terms of my tech business, I'm on LinkedIn. I post four times a week consistently because you have to advertise, get the name out there, and you have to promulgate your ideas, let people know your value add, your services, as well as let them know your successful track record. Advertising one-on-one. So for them to go this long without saying anything, a lot of people are speculating there's maybe an internal proxy war or a political... Like a lot of big businesses, you have different political philosophies, ideologies, and it could just be as simple as one department going against another department. But to say nothing for this long, they also skipped out on sponsoring the NCAA tournament title, which in terms of money spent, I would have thought that had been a much better return on investment than sponsoring an individual person. And they even said Mulvaney's sponsorship was intended to boost sales during March Madness, March Madness being the extravaganza of all the colleges competing in basketball and the one time of the year people pay attention to college sports in general. It should be noted it's a fantastically fascinating opportunity for advertising. On average, they generate about a billion dollars in ad revenue from the March Madness experience. A billion dollars for the colleges from that one sport that one month, which is incredibly i praise them for that that's brilliant but for that me so many eyes are on that sport especially if you had a big upset you had iowa going up against another college i think it's lsu i just remember Iowa was there but there was so much attention on that why not have your logo at one of the most exciting upsets in years i mean and then again it's supposed that they're paying Dylan between fifty to hundred thousand dollars per post, which, wow, that's a lot. Imagine getting a year's salary in one picture, and a picture says a thousand words. In this case, it says hundreds, thousands, hundreds, thousands of dollars. Now, again, it's going to be a long-term thing in terms of the actual impact on the business. Are is Bud Light and Perry Company are they going to reverse action on this? Are they going to double down? Is this going to increase their sales with a new audience or are they alienating their current incumbent base so much so i mean maybe bud light as a brand dies the parent company sure as heck isn't going out of business but it'll be interesting to see what how this keeps evolving and who else they might bring on as a sponsor again more and more funny enough more and more people are protesting mainly country singers but those singers also demand huge audiences. They have a lot of fans. So it'll be interesting to see how that progresses. Other interesting business news. You had Dungeons & Dragons said that they're going to remove mixed race characters. Dungeons & Dragons being one of the most popular board games ever. Making untold amounts of money with their fan base. And the reason for the removal. The company says that the characters are racist. And they're specifically removing half species. Which made no sense at all in terms of. One would think that's more diverse and to have them teaming up or mating like, I don't, I don't know if they get married in the game. I don't know if that's an extra feature you unlock, but that's another fascinating thing. Now going over to the politics part of the world, although still kind of a cut bleed over from the Bud Light phenomenon, you had US political representative Marjorie T Taylor Greene, also known as MGT, um, she, they claim she has a woke snafu. So she was one of the politicians who was upset with Bud Light's recent endorsement of Dylan Mulvaney. And she tweeted a picture of a case of Coors Light. 
And she said, quote, I would have bought some of the king of beers, but it changed its gender to be the to the queen of beers. So it's made to chill from here out. Now, the ironic and interesting funny part many people are pointing out is that Coors Light has one of the longest track records of supporting the LGBT community with many of their advertisements. And some of the some of the posts on social media go as far as to saying that Coors Light has done more to support the community than anyone else. And this also might be an opportunity to say I'm I'm sure some people are delineating delineating or they're putting these into two different categories, the LGBTQI and the trans community. I think there's some people who are seeing those communities as different. Some say they're the same, but it is kind of funny that she said this only to, for people to bring that up. Although I don't think she has anything against that community. It's a little confusing to say the least. Now, other things that are a little bit more straightforward, the Pentagon documents were leaked. These documents were highly classified and were leaked online in the past couple of weeks. Those documents provide a rare insight into how the U.S. spies on allies and foes alike. And that's worrying a lot of U.S. officials who are fearful of retaliation and could jeopardize sensitive sources and compromise others. I mean, some of these documents have confirmed being authentic by officials and exposes U.S. eavesdropping on key allies, including Israel and South Korea. And CNN also noted uh, Ukraine. That's a that's an ally, um, yeah. It's not good to spy on your friends or your allies in this case. So I can definitely see why they're concerned about that. You're supposedly supposed to be on the same team and spying on the opposite team, the enemy. So this might be. I'm sure a lot of folks in intelligence agency are embarrassed, not just because there's a leak, but it's also a breach of trust with their current teammates. Now, this also, the documents actually show the weakness in Ukraine weaponry, air defense, even their battalion sizes. So that's not good to have that kind of data out there. And this is not the first nor will be the last leak of U.S. documents. You also have the Supreme Court, for the first time in history, there's a leak where they leaked their pre-announcement or their discussions around the abortion with Roe v. Wade. Someone saying it's unconstitutional, wondering where this prison come from. Or precedent um, we had come from and that that was just leaked and a lot of people speculate because that was leaked they had to vote the way they were talking about in the memo or whatever the document was called because if they didn't they would have been influenced by mob rule and third parties and that would be that action in and of itself would have been bad precedent so we're having more and more documents leaked these days it's not a good thing i'm a proponent of more transparency than not so maybe it'd be nice to have the U.S. for us to have access to all this data, but to have it leak on a global scale, that's where it gets perhaps a little concerning, especially when it's falling into enemies' hands. Now, going over to the business blunder of the day, you had Tesla's investor relation, investor day, and a lot of people were saying this was, one of those, this was the first time in a while it was actually boring as all hell. So two of the things that Elon has been bragging about for darn near a couple of years now is he wants to have the Cybertruck, and he wants to have an economical car that's about $25,000. Both of those things would be awesome new categories for Tesla, which previously had been cars and, of course, premium pricing. I think they're everywhere between a couple, maybe 58000 or 59000 to 110 whatever, for the really, really fancy one. I think it's the Model, model Plaid, I think it's a 
premium fastest one you can get but they he didn't really expand on those points so there's no discussion about the economic $25,000 model and the Cybertruck was on full display so a lot of people were excited because it was there and it looks really cool but there's no word on when the mass production will actually take place and when it will hit I was about to say hit store shelves is a little too heavy to put on a shelf but when will it be able to be delivered to all the folks that put their down their deposits and they're going to struggle with the timing it's perhaps comparing apples to oranges to compare tesla to other more traditional companies however you had the ford f-150 lightning hit the market which is their electric pickup truck and for ford has been doing quite well they had a little issue with the batteries they had to pause production when they worked for that supplier to figure out why they were blowing up and made, thankfully no one was hurt from that incident but you also have the rivian electric truck hitting the market they had another they have all had recalls. They actually had a recall that affected every one of their vehicles because they were a loose bolt. But those two companies already hit the market. They're delivering vehicles for the electric truck. Tesla's no longer the first. I think they might have been the first to announce it. Although the nerd in me does want to clarify decades ago, I think GM had one as well as Ford. Not mass production, but concept vehicles. And the only highlight of the whole event was they did announce a... They're going to build a mega pack factory in Shanghai capable of producing 10,000 mega packs per year. But that's not very that exciting. Given Elon's long history of pop and circumstance and really, really getting his fan base invigorated, get the investors excited about revolutionary new technology they're working on, to have, this, to have a lackluster event for a premium product and a historically revolutionary company. I mean, look at historicals. They're the first American automotive company to be successful since Chrysler. Every other one had gone bankrupt, gone bust. I should say every new company. So the only ones before that, you had you know Ford, but it's an unprecedented achievement. Now you do have Rivian coming along and they're growing, but they're also struggling because of a lot of financial reasons, as well as the supply chain issues, hyperinflation. But when you have these investor meetings, you should be drinking Red Bulls and coffees. You should be exponentially bombastic. You should, you're, I mean, you're supposed to excite and invigorate everyone so that they want to invest more money or at the very least make sure they don't sell stock and they don't take the money out. So needless to say, that is going to be the business blunder of the day. Thank you everyone for tuning in today. Don't forget if you'd like to see more content like this to like, subscribe, and comment. It helps out the channel. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers. Tell your enemies, heck, tell anyone and everyone to stay safe and fight the good fight.